Greetings, Milwaukee. Today, July 19, 2021, you're here on the radio live with your boy, Saeed. Today, I got a special guest, my brother, Mahmoud. I'm going to talk a little bit about himself and uh, where he come from and who he, who he is today. So I'm going to turn it over to Brother Mahmoud for a moment and let him introduce himself. Brother Mahmoud, tell the world about you, who you is, where you was raised at. Um, my name is uh, Mahmoud. I was raised, uh, I was born in Chicago, but I was raised between Chicago and Milwaukee. So, you know, if you ask me my hometown, you know what I'm saying, they, they both my hometown. I grew most of my teenage years between those two cities. I went to high school here and there. So, you know, it was rough getting the, uh, the transcript. <laughs> Like every other summer, I'm born, you know, between every other, between both cities. So, hey, I don't know now one of them. I got to use the GPS for both. So, I'm just saying. Right. And, uh, so, uh, what brought you here into the business of social justice? Well, I'm saying just social justice is, is an extension of what are already, it's, it's something like what you're already doing. If, if you're a big brother, or uh, you know, if you got friends and you wake up fights, or you try to make sure things fair, you know, it's just an extension of that. And just seeing your people, especially a lot of black males, you know, going through the prison system, and um, the prison system, and you know, it's, it's, it's really unjust, and one-sided uh, when it comes to, you know, handing out time or, um, you know, handing out time and doing stuff like that. Um, it just led me to social justice from seeing both, from being both, uh, seeing from the outside looking in and the inside looking out. So it's, it's only like the right thing to do, you know. If you already writing letters to people in prison, sending money, calling representatives and doing everything else, you know, just personally. So, hey, why not try to add your voices to other voices and, and hope you get some type of uh, some type of positive or, you know, uh, positive action from it. You know, over the months that uh, you and I have been working together, you know, I always told you that you're a very intelligent, very smart person. Tell the audience what it is that you can bring to the youth. What is it that you can bring to help mold the youth, to get them on track, to prevent them from making the mistakes that you once made when you was their age? Perspective. As far as saying, you know, everything that glitter ain't gold. And, uh, you know, that sometimes you do have to wait a little while and struggle a little bit. You know what I'm Cause, you know, we live in a, you know, a fast food world. We live in a, um, you know, we want everything right now. So, you know, that's like immediate gratification. We want it right now. You know, a lot of us, we, you know, we need it like yesterday. Right. But most things that you get in life are the, from deferred gratification, degrees in college, a nice car, a home, you know, hopefully a good wife. <laughs> hey, I apologize. But yeah, I'm just saying, because you, you can choose, you know what I'm saying? You can choose, you know, sometimes, you know, in the longer process, you do better, sometimes not. But yeah, just to be serious, but everything is mostly like, you, you have to wait, you know what I'm saying? Right. You, have to, you have to strive in the middle. Everything just don't come right now. True. You know? So let's play a little scenario. Let's say that uh, you walked up on the individual that was uh, in a stolen vehicle, and you knew that it was about to lead to uh, a more dangerous situation. What advice could you give this young man to help possibly save his life and possibly save him from going to jail at that precise time? Or in the near future to make him rethink his actions. 
Well, you ain't giving me enough information, but in the, in the same token, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm saying, well, truthfully, I don't know what advice to give. I don't even know if he's seeking advice, where he give, but if he, I don't know, ask me if I actually, like, know the kid and get engaged with him. No, I, you don't know. Uh, it's I just, know. for instance, let's say, you know, the work that we do here at the center. Let's say we get one of the young men that uh, come up in here that's out involved with uh, one of the groups that's still in cars. What advice that you can give him, you know, from your past experiences, and, and we're going to come to that later, and your time of being incarcerated, uh, what advice could you give this young man to try to steer his mind? in the opposite direction? Um, I'll tell them, first, I'll tell them, first of all, when you in them stolen cars and you going around, you know what I'm saying, you looking over your shoulder, it's going to be short-lived, it's not yours, you know, I know you pulling up, maybe girls see you and stuff like that, but it, 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 it won't be long-lived. And then, you know, you might have to pay a heavy price for it, and it just might not be jail. You know, it might be your life, because you might crash. You know, your pals might be, might say you, you made a move that you, you shouldn't have made, or, you know, you flash your wallet and it had a little beam on it or something, so, you know, that'd be the end of you or something like that. And the next time I tell them that the, the quickest way up the social economic ladder is an education, you know, um, you know, if, if 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 you go to school, and then if you go to school and you get a degree, I'm saying be it a, a high school diploma, associate degree, a, a bachelor, master, I'm saying whatever. At each degree, I'm saying it, it, it come at a, a certain pay scale. You know what I'm saying? So it's easier to do this. And don't you want to just come home and just don't you want to just get in your your car? That has the insurance paid. <laughs> right. right. I'm talking the insurance paid. The license plate's good. I'm just saying it. And you good, won't you? Don't you want that peace? Right. You know, instead of just running around, you know, and stolen cars, like, you know, you have to tell them, you got to show them that that ain't, that ain't what's cool. You know, what's cool is having your own. That, that's what's cool. And, you know, the, the road to getting it, yeah, it, sometimes it ain't that pretty, but once you get it, it's, it's yours, and you can feel comfortable in that. Right. Or else you can go the other route, and they got a, you know, the other route got a lot of stuff, so it's, it's your choice, True, you man. know, so. So how do, since we on that subject, how do you feel about the, uh, the gentleman that shot the 13-year-old girl that uh, tried to hijack his car in uh, Kenosha? What's your thoughts, opinions on that? Do you think he should be charged with a crime because he was defending himself and his property, or you know, what's your what's your opinion? I'm on that? I don't got no. I, I, you know, I seen a snippet of it uh, on the news a little bit. I ain't. You gave me more details than they did, so uh, I don't know. I'm just saying. Um, you know, out in the street, out in the street, and you know, with your property, I'm saying you can't, you know, you you can't tell what's what, and these are split second decisions. The police get away with them all the time. Right. You know what I'm saying? Split second decisions. You see somebody in your car, you don't know. Like I said, I don't know all the details. I'm just saying, you know, this your possession. This somebody, you know. A lot of times you find out stuff later. True. You know, after this and that. So I'm just saying, I don't know. You know, I, you know, I, you know, prayers for the family, and you know, and for him, cause a lot of times in crime it be two victims. You know what I'm saying? Right. The initial victim, and it be either be the family of the other, other, other put, uh, perpetrator of the other crime. So it, it be two victims. And sad to say that's what it is in this case because it's like, you know, people getting fed up, you know, uh, having their property stolen, something that they worked hard for, you know, and a means to get enough transportation to get them to and from 
work to be able to take care and provide for their household, you know, get to doctor's appointments and things of that nature, and just to have these young men and women out here just stealing their cars like that, and some of them actually getting hijacked at gunpoint, you know, for their vehicles, and to know that you can go to jail for trying to defend your property, it's sad, you know, on both ends, you know, in both both aspects as, as I see it. It's like a, a, a no-win situation on both ends, you know. Like one of those, what mama and them used to say, damn if I do, damn if I don't, type of situation, it seems like. Well, it's a, it's, it's a breakdown. It's a breakdown in some places, or a breakdown in a lot of places. It, you know, it's a breakdown in the, you know, it, it's a breakdown in the, um, like, um, it's a breakdown in the structure, like, for, like, jobs. Uh, it's a breakdown, um, I don't know, when it comes to school or, like, a lot of wraparound, pro, uh, wraparound programs to help people that are struggling and stuff like that. Because sometimes a parent, sometimes you got a lot of single parents and they got to be at work. Right. And they really don't have time to to rear and monitor the kid. They got to make sure the kid got a roof over his head and some food in their mouth and stuff like that. So that's what, you know, get them to go onto the streets and stuff like that. Right. And a lot of reason why they working so many hours is because I'm some in Milwaukee minimum wage still what seven ninety five seven sixty five the minimum wage is low um, it's, it's just a, a, a struggle there's no investment no economic investment in our neighborhoods and it just seemed like we just I don't know we just get took advantage of and all of us that don't get took advantage of uh, they take us to jail so I don't know what it is that's true that's true and so then, how, and, and, how and, you and, think and, we can come together as a community and try to you know, uh, help each other out, you know, that's in these situations where, you know, which is true that they do have to work, you know, that uh, they can't be, you know, everywhere at the same time, like, and they don't have that help, you know, or the resources to actually help them, you know, to actually keep an eye on their children with them. You know, how can we, how can we bring it back? Like when we came up, you know, when mama went to work, the next door neighbor, the people down the street, the people across the alley, they all had an eye on the house. You know what I'm saying? So if we ever snuck out the house, you know, mama knew about it before we even knew that she knew about it. You know what I'm saying? How can how you think we can bring them resources back? You know, back in back in the shot town and, and Indiana days, back then when we was growing up on the streets and we was being parented by the neighborhood basically. Um uh I just think that the majority of the ills we got is because I'm talking about we from broken families. We broken people from broken families. Right. You know what I'm saying? I believe we had a father, mother, child, and the majority of the households that we wouldn't have a lot of this going on. I you know, being that the um, you know talking about like. Bring up mass incarceration, it take the father out the house, which I'm saying, which take a lot of the discipline out the house, which take a lot of relatedness, you know what I'm saying, like males uh, can relate to, even um, daughters can feel secure, you know what I'm saying, that they don't have to go out the house and mess with these uh, people who have these personas, like, uh, like they got it all figured out glasses and uh, you know the sagging pants and the you know rising and dazzle and stuff like that so we just got to bring it back to you know family morals we just got to bring it back to families and you know have um, you know, support systems where we try to keep families together and start breaking them apart exactly. you know, criminal justice system they don't care nothing about them. And it's crazy because uh, that's what my second podcast was about, uh, talking to people about uh, how they had designed back when we went to jail, how they designed that if they remove the man from the household, they can control the children and the women. And they did that. They succeeded with that when they took us off the streets, you know, and gave us all the time that they was giving us, even from the smallest of crimes. 
you know, and uh, they succeeded with that. So now we in an uphill battle where we trying to fight to win our household back, to win our children back, that we was taken away from for so long, you know, and the streets was there to be their daddy, to raise them, you know, and me, myself, I say the streets destroyed them. It's because they took what the streets taught them and they out here basically destroying themselves amongst their teachings, you know, that they learned from the streets. A prime example is uh, I had had a little altercation with one of my sons and the first statement that he made was like, where you was at, you know, you was locked up. I read, you know, I learned all this on my own. The streets taught me what I know. You know, instead of taking heed of what I was trying to tell him, and now, you know, he's sitting in MSDF, you know, fighting his first uh, drug conviction, you know, instead of listening to the teachings that I was trying to teach him. You know, he took what he learned from the streets and felt like he knew everything that he needed to know to succeed. You know, so that was that was a good point there, you know. Uh, no, I'm just saying, like, when you when you in the street, I'm talking about, you know, you almost like a child when you in the street at a young age. I'm saying, child do what they see. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they model. You know what I'm saying? It ain't really like, uh, it ain't like no, really like no intelligence or justification. Really, you in some survival mode. Right. You know what I'm saying? You just trying to survive a, another day. And probably if you, I don't know. Depending on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to make some money, make some little money and survive at the same time. But you never get, I'm saying, you you never really start just living. You never, you never, you only just be existing and surviving. Existing and surviving. They don't give you really no time to think, you know, past today, tonight. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully tomorrow morning. And what we were just talking about was, it was a, a psychologist, he wrote a book, his name is Jerome Miller. It's called, I think it's called Seek and Destroy. And he said that, you know, it's always been an attack on black manhood, you know, since we, you know, since we've been here, as you from slavery, uh, Willie Lynch, you know what I'm saying, period. It's always been an attack on uh, uh, Jim Crow laws, uh, uh, black codes, you know, it used to be a law that said if you catch six after slavery, if you catch six black men um, together talking, you can put them in jail. So you know, it's just always been an attack on, on on black on black manhood, and um, you know, I know, I'm, and, and and it's like um, after a thing called Cointelepro, Cointelepro, uh, counter counterintelligence program, you know they. You know, they they uh they said they had something to do with King Malcolm down. Uh, they even had uh, for all uh, the older audience. They even had tabs on Aretha Franklin father and stuff like that. You know, and they was talking about in the thing talking about how they gonna remove after they killed uh, uh, Malcolm and Martin. They said all. Oh, black so-called male dissidents and they, they attack the Panthers and stuff like that. Then they just start uh, targeting people in the hood that they thought had influence. It don't mean what they is, organization, pimp, whatever. If they felt like they were strong, they were throwing them in jail. You know, even if you look at the black exportation films, I'm saying uh, Fred Williams, they was like men be men. You know what I'm talking about? Like men, you know what I'm saying? So. You know, that black, even though they, they call it uh, black exploitation, you know what I'm saying? They were like men. So they, they started locking a lot of people up, making a lot of these laws and stuff like that in the 70s, early 80s. And what they did after they got a lot of the men out the neighborhood, which had boys, which they feel like was uncontrollable in school, they just needed recess, that's it. Right. And stuff like that. What they did, they came in with what you call, he said they came in with what you call helpers. Couples are social workers and stuff like that. And they say, okay, uh, they might have ADHD and all this other type of stuff. We're going to give them pills, really. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you start a, a kid off real little taking pills, talking on something the matter with them. 
Not what you got. You got kids popping pills, purse, and all that type of stuff. I'm saying they started this way back when, thinking this is okay. When I was young, didn't know kids take pills. Right. We didn't want to take a flesh on by them because they was nasty. You know what I'm talking about? They love us. Yes, too. Yeah, we want to take like that's nasty. You know what I'm right. saying? So now you condition a kid from when he's little to keep taking pills. So when he get older, it's okay. Right. I'm saying he's been taking them all his life. So, hey, hey, why not take, at least these make you feel something. True. I'm just saying, so, and then they start having opioid addictions, and mm-hmm. even that even started uh, in the suburbs with them giving them all the opioids when they go to the doctor, then they selling them back and stuff like that. But, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's what it is. And then even take it even further, dealing with mass incarceration, they said if you, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So people that was in like jails and maximum security prisons, if they show any type of like right lawsuits, grievances, any type of that they'll stand up, they made super maxes for them. So the same thing, they took all the brothers out the hood, put them in the joint. When they put them in the joint, it became a black man world. I'm saying they was real big. They was lifting a lot of weight. They was reading a lot of books like Malcolm. They was getting degrees and stuff like that. So what's the next thing? We need to stop this. You know, they was getting out, you know what I'm saying, educated, writing books and all that type of stuff. They put them in Supermax and limit them some more. Right. So these same type people. So it, it's always, they always trying to like weaken and, you know, isolate and excommunicate, you know what I'm saying, black, you know, black men from black boys. You know what I'm saying? So we they can't influence they see is is uh the influence they see is other influences like Okay, it's just like music, reggae. Get up, stand up, stand up for your rights. Now, if you listen to reggae, what is it? <laughs> wow, it's just dance hall music. First, it was like revolutionary music. Even rap, uh, you know, fight the power and, uh, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, if I rule the world and, you know, uh, uh, boogie down productions and, you know, just rap and then, uh, don't push me, you know what I'm saying? He just reported what's happening in the hood. Right. I'm saying now it, it didn't turn into something else. You know? You know, you don't hear white people talking about killing each other all day and all night. You know right. what I'm saying? But you hear black people do it on the radio and it's fine. Right. You know? That's true. There you got it, folks. And heard it from another source other than just myself. Brother Mahmoud, Brother Mahmoud, I want to thank you for coming and sharing your knowledge and your experiences with me. I ask that y'all tune in again Wednesday. I'm going to have a uh, podcast amongst our youth here at the center uh, for about an hour of our young men our young men here and get their insight on what's going on in their neighborhood and how they feel about things that's going on in their neighborhood. Uh-huh. I just want to say this. I'm talking about I'm biased toward this and I believe is that you know us returning to to God you know what I'm saying uh, it's, it's, it's the answer for all our problems and me in particular I believe the only thing that can solve our problem here in America is Islam that's it I know that's another podcast but that's just my position and um that's just my position. Peace and love. <laughs> Again, y'all, peace and love. Y'all have a beautiful day. You know, uh, you have any questions or you have any comments, please feel free to leave a message, a voicemail on the link, and uh, I will respond to them. You know, if you would like to uh, join in on the podcast, uh, reach out to me. You know, you can reach me either through podcasts or you can reach me through uh, Facebook, uh, or you can reach me by email at Hicks, H-I-C-K-S, Damon, D-A-M-E-N, 36 at yahoo.com. Feel free to reach out. Thank y'all for joining. Thank you for listening. See you again next time. Be safe. One love.
share our burdens, emotions, and questions and answers during this time. And we're going to start out today with today's topic, which is with Brother Michael. Um, today, like,
that's my story of being incarcerated that I wanted to share with you guys. I didn't have any fun moments in it because during my 10 years of being incarcerated, nine of those years, I didn't even talk to my family. Out of those 10 years, I didn't even see my children. You know, so it, it hurted me as well as it hurted my family. I would blame my mother for not bringing them to see Yeah, I'm saying you don't have to do none of that. 
much for it. What, what, what if you beat it? I'm saying you got the coldest car, the coldest girl for the next five years, and then they give you 50 years to 100, 50 to 100 years in jail. That, that, you paying too much. That, hey, look, that's too much to pay, man. That's too, all them years in jail is too much to pay. I'm saying for this little short, short lived. And then while you're doing that, you ducking, you looking out the window. I'm saying you paranoid to everybody. You think everybody trying to get you for your money. They just want to be. I'm just saying that ain't no life to live, man. I'm saying that ain't no life to live, to tell you the truth. I'm saying it's a good life. I'm just saying get it, do it how you're supposed to do it. And that's that. I know life happened, stuff happened, but always try to give back. If you look at every gangster movie, Scarface tried to go to jail. That happened. The government. He's not too connected. So you know about the implementation of this movie. And I got any questions in the store, John wants to share with me. Well, I didn't wish you because you got you got out. You just got out?